This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is one-on-one's NFL Friday. What is up, you guys? It is NFL Friday. I'm Tommy Aldrich, and joined alongside me is Matt Constantini, Manuel Adeye, and Mir Gori is over the phone. We are on the eve of Championship Sunday, you guys. We got a good show. We're going to preview those games. We got got Minnesota and Philadelphia in the NFC and Jacksonville and New England in the AFC. After a whole season, four teams left. It comes down to this. But first, you guys, I want to rewind just a second back to last week because there were some intriguing matchups, some intriguing finishes, especially out there in Minnesota, uh, one Stephon Diggs. We'll talk about that play for a little bit. But first, you guys, I think the most interesting result from last week had to be the Pittsburgh game. Jacksonville goes to Heinz Field again, beats the Steelers 45-42. to Initial thoughts, reactions? Uh, listen, man, it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild to see an AFC championship when you heavily thought the the two teams who would be in there is Pittsburgh and New England, and it's Jacksonville, it's it's crazy because the big thing coming to the to this past week was oh is Big Ben gonna throw five picks again you know this and that, well are they gonna give up forty five points how about that you know I don't think anybody saw that coming no one thought the Jaguars would be able to score that many points in them I mean you you go into the game and you know you gotta have a feeling something's gonna happen because. All week leading up to the game, you had Steelers players saying, oh, I can't wait for that round two against the Patriots. Yeah. I can't wait for that round two against Jacksonville. I mean, Le'Veon Bell himself said, hey, we're going to have two round twos in two straight weeks. And you got to think that they kind of overlooked this game against Jacksonville because they were just so focused on playing New England. And it really bit them hard because they came out and in the first half, they were getting smacked before they even had a chance to do anything. The first drive they scored on, and they went on the, on the fourth down too, so they tried to set the tempo early. Quickly Jacksonville scored, and I think what was so fascinating about that game is like going into the game, what was the big sort of to-do about this matchup was the Jacksonville offense. It was almost like... Two really good teams and one horrible unit in the Jacksonville offense. But they kind of answered questions. They put up 45 and did what they had to do. So, you know, the, on, on the other hand, Pittsburgh was able to put up 42 against such a good defense. If you knew that going into the game, you probably thought they would win. But they didn't win. And, and one thing I want to ask you guys was about a questionable decision by Mike Tomlin, I thought, to go for an onsides kick. Basically in a situation where we're just going to call it Above two minutes, I'm going to say two minutes and 15 seconds approximately on the game clock. And all they got to do is score a touchdown to win the game. And they got three timeouts and at two-minute warning. And they go for the onside kick. And I think that that had a lot of people scratching their heads. Well, the way I, the way I try to look at it objectively. So before I make any decision, make jump to any conclusion, I'm like, okay, listen, let me put myself in the other person's shoes. And if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm assuming... He went for this kick, one, because one, if you get it, you're a genius. Two, you got to think about the momentum switch. Like, the way they were scoring those touchdowns in the second half, I mean, Big Ben to to A.B. and then what he did with Le'Veon. You know, it's, like, you got to think about the momentum shifting on this good defense. You're still at home. 
no one's expecting the onside kick at this moment. And, I, I mean, I think that's a good point. That's Ta- a, yeah, because he came out to the media and he said he's a coach of action. Basically, exactly. he called himself a man of action, and and he really just wanted to go out there and take the win. Yeah, but. I mean, it's tough. I was just so confused because, like you said, two minute warning. That's a free timeout right there. So they were they essentially had four timeouts on that on that one drive. I mean, and I guess if you look at it the way that he couldn't really trust his defense, the way that they played all game. I mean, you said it yourself. He gave up forty five points, so not that great of a Jacksonville offense. I mean, I know Leonard Fournette did his thing and really carried that team, but got to give a lot of credit to Blake Bortles too. But there was a lot of questionable play calling in this game. I mean, you had the onside kick, and then there were a few critical fourth downs that Pittsburgh had that they decided to go for it, and they didn't get it. I think personally because of the play call, play calling, and maybe that's why Todd Haley is no longer with the franchise. But, I mean, you're looking at a fourth and one from midfield, and you decide to throw a pass, and it goes five feet away from the receiver. So there was a lot of interesting and not so great play calling from the Steelers in this game. I mean, so, I mean, here we are in the AFC, and it's kind of the, the new school took the day. I mean, we all thought it'd be the Titans of the AFC in that championship game, but not the case. And Shout out Tom Coughlin. Yeah, Tom oh Coughlin, man. Well, good for him. So, all right, guys, where were you, and just what were your thoughts when you saw uh, Stephon Diggs catch I, the ball? Oh, my God. So, and I ask you uh, specifically, not what were you thinking when he was running down the sidelines, but when he caught the ball, did you think anything? Because I think we all were like, step out of bounds, and then he took off, and then all heck broke loose. My so. immediate thought was when I saw him come down with that ball was, get out of bounds right now. And then uh, when he just kept running, I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to get tackled inbounds. Game over. So let me ask you guys, because I was having a debate with my dad. He was, you know, we were just talking about it. And my dad saying, why did he take off? Why did he take off? And I was trying to tell him that basically I was convinced, you know, from his perspective on the field, I was convinced that Diggs had a sense that, what was it, 43 we're just calling him by Williams, his number. Yeah. Williams, the guy who <laughs> dove for the the missed tackle. Yeah, I think Diggs had a sense that that was really the backmost player. Oh yeah, who no, you could can, have gotten him. Basically, you I'm can wondering, feel that. do you think Diggs knew he wasn't going to get caught, or did he take a gamble? No, 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 no. You can feel and you can see that coming down once he caught that ball. Um, for me, that moment it was even too fast for me to think get out of bounds. First of all, I'm thinking they still had the timeout left. Up until, honestly, two days ago, everyone's like, oh, yeah, if he just tackles the guy, the game's over. I'm like, oh, the game's not over. It was about four seconds left, you know. He could have gotten out of bounds even so. But, man, that was just a crazy finish. It was, like, impressive. It was it was crazy, man. It was and, a miracle. Hey, that's why we do the show, right? We all love the NFL. Uh, <laughs> why don't we get to Mir real quick? He's going to give us some, some matchups looking forward to uh, Championship Sunday this weekend, and then we're going to talk about it. Some of the important matchups to look at for this upcoming week definitely going to have to be the Patriots and the Jacksonville rushing attack. Patriots' rush defense has been excellent this season, with only 1,836 yards allowed, although only being 20th. However, in rushing yards per attempted, the Patriots' defense has only allowed 4.7, which is second in the league. And in rushing TDs, They've only allowed six in the entire season. One antidote to realize when you're looking at the staff for the, for the Patriots defense is the fact that a lot of the teams are usually playing catch-up against the Patriots, so they're not usually inclined to rush as much. On the Jags side, you have to consider that their rushing attack 
although considered one of the best led by Leonard Fournette, hasn't really been as great statistically, even though that has been their bread and butter on offense. The Jags are 21st in rushing with 1,267 yards, 7th in yards per attempt at 4.3 yards, and 25th in rushing TDs. One thing to remember, though, is Blake Bortles has been rushing more in the last few weeks, adding up almost 200 rushing yards total, which is leading all the quarterbacks in the league this season in the postseason. So that's something important to look at. I believe the Patriots are going to come out with this one because they have a more staunch defense and Fournette has been a little injured, although being great in the previous week. While Bortles has to manage the passing and the rushing and will most likely be playing from behind against a very vaunted Patriots offense that's going to look to throw, throw, throw. Great insight there, Mir. I did not realize that those Patriots defense statistics were so positive for oh, them. Oh, yeah. Because, but, but, but it was a really good point by him to bring up. The fact that teams are usually playing catch-up, probably not too much running, especially late in the game versus New England. So nuance there to those statistics. But I think generally speaking, and Manny, tell me if this is true or not, this is a weaker defense than Tom Brady in New England is used to. For 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 the Patriots? Yeah, this season. No, just a little bit. No, just what you guys? Okay, because that was the this narrative what, sort of early on in the okay, season. That's, I'm so happy you said from that. From so, my perspective, there were a lot of a lot of basically the linebackers. I just couldn't recognize a lot of their linebackers this year. And you don't recognize anybody on this team besides Tom Brady. Yeah, ever. That's fair. This is the thing about the Patriots that you guys sleep on every year, and it's fine because as a fan, sleep on us whenever you want. Okay, we started the year off two and two. Fine. It wasn't our best start, statistically. We lost two games at home. We gave up 1,000 points here and there. But what y'all don't understand, over the years, at least at least the last three or four years, the Patriots' defense has been one of bend, don't break. And that's a football term saying that, listen, they can start their drive on the 10. They can go 85 yards. But when we get in the red zone, we're going to bow up. They're not, it's three or nothing, three or nothing in the red zone. So the Patriots' defense is bend, don't break. You can bend a little bit, but they're not going to snap. You're not going to kill them. So, that be that being said, since week five, they've given up the least points all season to any team, any any defense. No one is scoring points on this defense. Why? Because they bow up in the red zone. You're not going to get a lot of points out of them in the red zone. And at the same time, since Dante Hightower has gone down, they've gotten better, which is crazy, which is crazy to see. This is obviously the work of Belichick and Matt Patricia. Yeah, so much to say about these guys who are coaching the Patriots. Matt, what do you think, unless you want to make a comment on the Patriots, D, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. I think Manny, Manny summed it up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. No, no, that, that's that's a really interesting point about, about week five and all those points not giving up. But I think that's why Patricia is going to be a pretty good I was going to say, well, so, yeah. so let's see Matt Patricia in Detroit. That'll be very interesting. Everyone loves to talk about Tom Brady, man, but you, you got to understand. And that's what people don't know. This organization is more than just Tom Brady. Oh yeah, yeah. All well, right. it's it's it, this is a crazy organization. I mean, this <laughs> game is like. Yeah. I feel like there's so much more to this game than just kind of the 53 guys on the Jags going against the 53 guys on the Patriots. This game is like, you know, like I was saying before, this is the old school or the new school. I mean. No one stands as the old school more than the Patriots, and I don't think there's a younger, more exciting team than the Jags. You know, I don't see this game being close, or maybe it will be, but I sort of feel like either the Patriots are going to run away with it or the Jags D is going to, you know, do real well. But I must say, I didn't think that 
I was impressed by Pittsburgh putting up 45. Yeah, and something that Muir said that's actually really interesting and will play a huge part in this game on Sunday is that Leonard Fournette might not be 100%. I mean, you saw he came out on fire in the beginning of last week's game, but then he had to go to the locker room and had some negative x-rays on his ankle, and he was still kind of hobbling for the rest of the game, so we'll really have to check on that. But something that they're going to have to watch out for is what people are calling the Steelers' demise last week looking forward. Jags players are already talking about winning this game and then going to win the Super Bowl. That's true. You are not allowed to overlook the New England Patriots because if you do, you are going to go out there and get beat by 40. Heck no. The thing is, what the Patriots do best on defense, besides being the bend-don't-break defense and not get up a lot of points, they're going to find your best offensive weapon and do their best to either nullify them or slow them down. So be it as it may, Fournette being healthy or not, he's not going to uh, have that impact. The thing about that, that's why people – so the matchup of Pittsburgh versus New England, that's what the people the reason why people rave over it is because you have A.B. and Le'Veon Bell. So how are you going to stop one and let the other one, you know, you're going to have to let the other one turn up. Yeah. For the Jags, offense is just Fournette. Oh, yeah. I really? mean, if the Patriots can counter that one thing, they don't have much going in other places. Exactly. And see, I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship on the part of the Patriots, too, because I don't know if you guys saw it, but today Tom Brady was held out of practice again, and a reporter asked him about his status for Sunday, and he said, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> However, <laughs> though. In my opinion here is there is a 0% chance that Tom Brady, with his non-throwing hand, is going to miss an yeah. AFC championship game. He got stitches in the hand, though. Oh. Zero. Zero percent chance. Zero. Yeah, he did get stitches in the hand. We should bring that up, but it's funny that we're, like, hardly bringing that up because we're all just yeah. sure that the Patriots are going to be, you know, ready to go. And I don't. let's not reveal too much about ourselves because we're going to do a pick section. So why don't we get to Mir for another matchup for the NFC game? A matchup I'm looking at this week will definitely have to start off with the fact that the Eagles offense that has been very bonded this season is now under Nick Foles. Nick Foles was great last week, but the thing is that people don't realize that despite Foles throwing for 246 yards on 23 of 30 uh, pass attempts, he only had a 47.4 QBR. On the flip side, the Vikings defense is a top five defense, especially in passing, led by their two stud cornerbacks, Although this week, there's a possibility that Rhodes will be out. As a result, there's something to consider that for all those Eagle fans that always think that the Eagles are going to fall apart just before the Super Bowl, this might be the year to make it. Foles will be looking at a more stable running back crew because of the Vikings' weakness on the running defense, while the passing defense has taken a bit of a brunt because of the losses and injuries from the previous week. That's the matchup I'd like to see, and one that I think Foles, despite having a little bit of a rough game against the, the Falcons, he'll show that his QBR will be a little better, and he'll reach the top, and I look for the Eagles to win on offense this week. All right, guys, so it's going to be a defensive showdown, I have a feeling, in Philadelphia this week as the Vikings travel to Philly, and, you know... While I was watching Philly's game last week uh, against, who was it? The Falcons. The Falcons, excuse me. Always always having these mind blanks, you know? (laughs) When when the Falcons were playing Philly, you guys, 
I wasn't sure that either of those teams look Super Bowl ready. So, really? I mean, I think we can all agree. Well, maybe I'll just throw this out there. I think Minnesota is the better team here. I mean, I just think they're the better team on offense and defense. Well, not even just offense, defense, on paper. On paper, team. on both, like, too. They, I mean, they it's really, just... See, so I can't say this, but when I pick my picks for uh, when when we do the next segment, I had these two teams when the season uh, when the playoffs started. But what I'm going to say about both uh, the Eagles and Minnesota is that they have really good defenses. And obviously, defense wins championships. However... Minnesota has it on all three. Forever. I was about to say mm-hmm. it's. I'm so Minnesota's D. I don't. It's like, so good. It's so Every good. Level. Be, but it's only really good on paper on the line. Yeah. And a couple, maybe one linebacker stands out. Um, but I feel like they more play up. They just kind of have a stingy D that yeah. made a lot of plays this year. The Vikings. I think it's like the Vikings and the Jags are on one tier, and then the next best defense is just, like, way down a level. But we can't sleep on Philly, though. Because, we can't. We can't. Because I think, this underdog title is ridiculous. Like, it, it, it's – it's they're, to me, they're not the underdog in this matchup. Absolutely not. They're not at I mean, all. They, might be, they might be not favored in the game because I know – I think Vegas has them at minus three, but – I mean, they're definitely they're the number one seed for a reason. I mean, they got. I mean, yes, they did get there on the back of Carson Wentz, but without him, this team's still really good. I mean, they still won the number one seed. They could have lost it late in in the regular season, but I think the saving grace for Philly in this game is going to be their offensive line because we t- we're talking up the Vikings defensive front, which is one of the best in the league without a doubt. Their linebacking core is phenomenal. It's ridiculous. They're, they're second door by the way, ridiculous. they really are on par with Jacksonville. You cannot say. Jacksonville is a whole lot better because if both def- sorry to interrupt but if both defenses have you know seemingly good players at every position the Vikings are just like that I mean I'm gonna go off the top of my head on the line they have Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph two of the best at their position they got Daniil Hunter on the other side. Daniil Hunter, who no one even speaks about. They, got the, they got the UCLA boys at linebacker, too. They got Anthony Barr at linebacker, and they got the other speedy Kendrick. guy. Eric Hendricks. Eric Hendricks. Michael Kendrick's brother, who they're going to be playing. And they got oh, two first-team All-Pros in the secondary and other good players. I mean, it's kind of like Jacksonville, where it's like there's almost one weak link. Like, Sandejo is a weak link, but even he had the diving interception. So... I'm basically just trying to say that I'm I'm thinking that they're just as good as Jacksonville. So my thought on this game is that if the Eagles' offensive line does not play up to the level of the Vikings' defensive line, Nick Foles is going to have a long, long day because they're going to shut down the run game, which is going to force them to pass. And you don't want Nick Foles passing against Xavier Rhodes, Terrence Newman, Harrison Smith because that will not end well. But then on the other side of that coin, I'm not sure how good Minnesota's offensive line is because the Eagles – I don't want to disrespect the Eagles' defensive line because they, too, were one of the best in the league this year. And Fletcher Cox, just so Fletcher let's just Cox, shout him out real quick. He's probably the best. He's probably the best monster. attack on the league. Uh, and no one's even talking about Brandon Graham, <laughs> right, who's, who's right. one of the best defensive ends now. <laughs> and, I mean, Case Keenum, congratulations. You have done so well this year, and you have earned a starting job wherever you want to play next year. But you might have a long day. It's funny. It could. It's very funny because when, as, when the season started, if you show me all the – all the rosters of all teams. And I looked at at least two teams where I'm like, okay, listen, I would love to have this guy as a backup. And that's Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo when he was with New England. And that's Nick Foles. Nick Foles has proven before that he can play this game at a high level. 
The man holds a record tied with Peyton Manning for seven touchdowns in the game. He led the Eagles to a great season about two or three years ago, I believe. I don't know why people are that like the underdog title really pisses me off. And if I was an Eagles fan or a player, I see why they're like embracing that role and running with it because Nick Foles is a good quarterback. He is a good quarterback. He's just alarmed me a bit recently. Just watching him, he and I'm not gonna say it's because he doesn't have it, but I'm just worried he hasn't had the muscle memory over the past yeah. couple seasons and that Especially in the beginning of the Atlanta game last week, he looked off just a bit. He did not look good at all. And I don't... But both these guys, real quick, just like you said, Case Keenum, both these quarterbacks, I feel like they're just so suspect that if they, if one of them starts off on the wrong foot, as you said, like, I could see... Because here's the thing about Case Keenum. I'm just... I'm not in love with the guy. He's, he's balled out this year, but I don't think that means he's got a great future long term. So... He's still Case Keenum, so I'm saying if he just all of a sudden has a bad day, it's going to be like a bad, bad day, and I think the same is true with Nick Foles. Well, what I realized, and it just hit me now to, to remind everyone else who's listening and the guys here, so out of the four defensives left, we've been talking about the Jags, talking about the Vikings, and uh, the Eagles. Uh, the Jags defense and the Vikings defense both gave up a lot of points last week. I know. And then, yeah. granted, they came late. And the other two defenses who are still in this game, they would stand, uh, withstand their their energy, their demeanor, their focus for four quarters. Where the other two, who are the other two predominant defenses in this game, they kind of gave up a lot of points. I think I'm not sure. I think the Vikings gave up about what thirty. Well, I think it was twenty something. Twenty something. And. Then, that, that that's fair to be honest, uh, but they're not playing Drew Brees this week. They're not playing Alvin Kamara this week. They're playing Nick Foles this week. But so, you, yeah, but yeah, that's a valid point. And and a big part about that is the Eagles. Uh, their wide receiver core. They're real good. I mean, they're good. Uh, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is showing that he is still one of the elite receivers in this league. Yeah, yeah, they're showing it, but do they have it still? Because the guys on the Vikings, they got it. Oh, they got they it. Got Adam it. Thielen, Stephon Diggs. Those are Adam uh, Thielen is so good. Man. I'm yeah. so happy he's for Adam so Thielen. Good. Yeah. And, and and it's almost like it's almost like he's becoming the number one guy and Diggs is kind of a compliment. And that that's just crazy to me. And I can't believe I, Adam Thielen is six foot two. So I don't even know to like who to compare him to. He he plays almost a bit like Odell Beckham, but he's he's definitely taller. He's just a good receiver, man. Happy for him. Also happy for Mir Gori because he's going to give us one more uh, update to look forward to, and then we're going to go pick him. You. So my final wrap up for this week's edition of NFL Friday. The thing that I want to focus on most is the fact that Case Keenum is the starting quarterback of the Vikings. And no one has talked about the fact that he is the number two QBR in the NFL this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. The problem is that he's going up against the Eagles defense that's 17th in pass, and sorry, second in pass, and 17th in rush defense. The problem with that is the fact that Latavius Murray has not been carrying his load for the Minnesota Vikings in the postseason, and the Minnesota Vikings have actually been 10th out of 12 teams that have been in the playoffs this season in rushing, and they have played more games than some of the teams that are ahead of them in the, in the list, which is kind of shocking to realize. But the thing is, is that that's the thing to focus on mostly, is the fact that Keenum has been great this season due to a balanced offense. But going into this game against the Eagles, he will not have the balanced rushing game because of the fact that the Eagles are so staunch on defense 
And the Vikings have injuries on their defense. As a result, the, the thing that Keenum needs to realize is he needs to look into his bag of tricks of heroics that he used at Houston for the Cougars and use them in this, in this game. Because if he can do it, he will be the first quarterback in NFL history to take a team to the Super Bowl after, after playing for four different teams. Another thing to realize in all of this is the fact that the Eagles defense is playing with a lot of players who used to be ex-first-round picks and are looking to live up to their potential after having multiple years of being Super Bowl contenders on multiple different teams. So that's the matchup I want to see. I want to see a lot of attitude, and that's the thing that's going to be the main focus of this game. Eagles are going to win, in my opinion. Glad you got your pick in there, Amir, because we are about to do pickums. Let it roll. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, so there's only two games to predict, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start, and and either we just want to add one more thing to Mir's uh, dialogue there. Really interesting point. Basically, any quarterback not named Tom Brady who wins yeah. this year, it's gonna be a fascinating. Uh, it's gonna be fascinating. So, Mir, if you're still with us, why don't you join in and go immediately after me, and then we'll go around the table. Jacksonville and New England, you guys. What do you got? I'm going with Jacksonville. I think that their defense is going to hold Brady up enough, and they're rough enough that they can match up with Gronk as well as put enough pressure on Brady. My heart says Jacksonville, but my head knows it's going to be New England. I just do not believe in Blake Bortles enough to actually win this game, and I think Brady and Gronk are just going to run wild on this game. Listen, my heart and my uh, my head, they're both in the right place, and that's for New England. What you guys, what everyone's sleeping on, and they're going to be the biggest factor in this game, is New England's defense. People are sleeping on us, and I do not know why. <laughs> Bill Belichick gets it done. Look, guys, I love Jacksonville. I love what they're doing. I love their philosophy in, in football, but I don't think they're ready quite yet, and I think this game is all about game planning. This team is gonna. This game is gonna be all about game planning, and I could just see the Patriots lighting up the scoreboard and, and actually holding Jacksonville to not too many points. I'm taking New England. So in the NFC, it's number one versus number two, Philadelphia versus Minnesota. The game's in Philly. That's about all I'm willing to give Philly. Yeah, no, I'm going. I'm 100% behind Minnesota. If I picked the Eagles, I would have to hand in my Giants fan card. It's just not possible on that one. So let's go, Minnesota. Go ahead, Mir. I know that my heart says the Vikings, and everything in my head says the Vikings. There's been no quarterback that has played for three different teams and then gone on to go to the Super Bowl. But I just have a feeling it's going to be silly. They, the Minnesota Vikings don't have a balanced offense right now, and they barely got away against the Saints because of the fact that they had a, a, a good passing game. But I think this gonna, it's going to catch up to them in, the, in this Eagles game. I'm going to pick the Eagles. <sighs> okay, so when the playoffs started, I picked the Patriots and the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl. And I picked the Vikings solely because they would be the first team to ever play in their home stadium. I want to see that And so I think bad. that would be the best thing that will ever happen. And you will see it because it's going to happen. And the Vikings are going to win this game. I'm with you. Because even the Eagles, they're a phenomenal team. Now, my heart is, my heart is going with the Vikings. But my head is telling me the Eagles. Interesting. I've been following my heart for my for like 23 years now. It has never led me astray. So we're going with the Vikings, and they're going to win this game. 
I'm with you, man. I think the Vikings take this one. I think New England versus Minnesota is a juicy Super Bowl matchup. And I'm also just kind of on board the, uh, I don't know, the NFL gods that seem to have their eye out for these Vikings. And as you mentioned, I like the concept of them playing at home in Minnesota. So New England, uh, Minnesota, there it is. There's your potential Super Bowl. We'll see after this Sunday, Championship Sunday. It's going to be a good one. That's all we got for today's show. For Manny a Day 8, Matt Constantini, I'm Tommy Aldridge, and Mir Gori over the phone. Thank you guys, and tune in next week to NFL Friday.